This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. How many of you have ever picked up one of these things? Invented in 1974 by a Hungarian sculptor and professor of architecture, Erno Rubik. It is the infamous Rubik's Cube. Okay. Now, this thing, you didn't have to grow up in the 80s uh, to, to know it or to play with it, but the chances are if you did, you know, you, you no doubt spend a lot of time noodling with this thing as a kid, trying to figure it out, trying to get all the colors to line up. So the aim is to, is to take it as it is in a random combination of colors and through a series of twists and turns to get it so that all six sides have matching colors. Okay. Attention, nerds. This is the opportunity. I'm giving you the chance of a lifetime that the cool kids in school never gave you. Time to shine. Who of you have ever completed a Rubik's Cube? Here we go. There's a few. There's a few. Anybody else? Come on. Own it. Yes, well done. Well done. So, this thing, I, I want to know though, who, who's, who's fast? Who of you are fast? Like what? Like under 10 minutes maybe? Eh? Come on, come on. No, not fast. No one, no one under five minutes, two minutes. We had, a, we had a few contenders in the first serves. I'll tell you, Jono, the drummer has completed one. Janssen, how quick are you? I missed you. Less than five minutes. There we go. That's, that's some, serious, some serious strength there. So the, the current record for assembling a Rubik's Cube is 3.13 seconds. 3.1. There is a speed cubing revolution happening in the world. Go and watch it. Max Park, a guy from the U.S., has assembled this thing in 3.13 seconds. That is mind-blowing. It takes me longer to say 3.13 seconds than it does to take him to assemble a Rubik's Cube. Unbelievable. When I pick this thing up, five minutes go by. Ten minutes go by. Twenty minutes go by. And finally, at 30 minutes, I go to my garage and I fetch my hammer. 30 minutes of twisting and turning and flukwurde. This thing does not change. It looks the same as it did when I started. Of course, I make some progress. You know, that's the way they're designed. I get the white side. You know, you, you get it going, but you have to break it up to kind of make it work. So what do I do with this thing? I put it down and I walk away. And isn't that our approach to so many complex things in this life? We put them down and we walk away from them. We distance ourselves from them. That's someone else's problem. I have no clue what's, I don't know how to solve that. I'm just going to put this back on the shelf, put it back on the coffee table, and I'm going to walk away from it. Approximately 55.5% of South Africans, that's 30 million people, 
live in poverty. Unemployment levels are sitting at 33%. That puts us in pole position as the worst in the world. 20% of the population doesn't have access to clean water or sanitation. 14% of people are living with HIV. South Africans consume just under 8 liters of alcohol per person per year. That might not seem like a lot, but we have the highest prevalence of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders in the entire world. 111 cases per 1,000 births. As of 2021, 14.2% of all children in South Africa are orphaned. They either have no mom, no dad, or neither of them. That percentage equates to roughly 2.914 million orphan children. To put that figure into perspective, the entire United States, which is geographically eight times bigger than what South Africa is, has only 450,000 orphans. That's six times less than South Africa. I don't know about you, but at this point, analysis paralysis just kicks in for me. I'm overwhelmed by that kind of data. The figures that that, that, that re represents are just, they're insurmountable. I cannot, I cannot fathom that. I cannot work that out. I can't make the twists and turns. I make no progress on that. I don't understand. I, I, I just, I'm paralyzed. I'm crippled by, that, by those things. Sirens in my head just, just start to go off. You know, it's like, warning, warning, cannot compute, information overload, total system shutdown in three, smoke comes out of my ears. How many of you feel the same way? When we approach complex things in life, we just, I, I can't solve this. What can I do? I have no idea. I cannot work it out. I can't make those turns. I just cannot put it together. 2.914 million orphan children. If I happen to make some sort of progress, if I happen to put a few things together and I make an impact on just one orphan's life, there will still be 2,939,000 orphans still left in South Africa that cube will still be a mess. So I'm just going to put it down and I'm going to walk away. That's someone else's problem to fix. In an adapted version of The Star Thrower, a short story written by, by Lauren Isley, a parable is told of a young girl who is walking along a beach upon which thousands of starfish have been washed up during a terrible storm. When she came to each starfish, she would pick it up and throw it back into the ocean. People watched her with amusement. She had been doing this for some time when a man approached her and said, Little girl, why are you doing this? Look at this beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. The girl seemed crushed, suddenly defeated. But after a few moments... She bent down, 
picked up another starfish and hurled it as far as she could into the ocean. Then she looked up at the man and replied, well, I made a difference to that one. The old man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had said and done. Inspired, he joined the little girl in throwing starfish back into the ocean. Soon others joined and all the starfish were saved. You see, God is not always asking us to eradicate world hunger or employ thousands of unemployed people or to solve the global orphan crisis in one fell swoop. But what, what this simple childlike story reminds us, of, reminds us of is that we can never overestimate the power of making a difference to one. Those ripples can reach far and wide. And not only do they reveal themselves in the, in the one that we make an impact on, but in the one that that one makes an impact on. There can be an impact tomorrow and the next day and for generations to come because we decided to make a difference to one. It's never just one starfish. The story is always bigger. God is in the business of multiplication. He just asks us to bring the one, to go after the one. So I want to challenge you and encourage you with this quote. Just because you can't help everyone doesn't mean you can't help someone. Just because you can't help everyone, don't stop there. Don't let it paralyze you. You can still help someone. So we asked some of the kids, um, some of our adopted kids from the families in our church, uh, to, to record a video of what being adopted has meant to them in their lives. So all of them were too nervous to record one, except for one brave boy. His name is Caleb Mance, um, part of the Mance family, son of um, Burdine and Pierre Andre. And I want, to, I want us to have a listen to what he says and just pay careful attention to his, his final words. Caleb Mance. My birth mom gave me up for adoption at birth. And my parents adopted me when I was four months old. Being adopted is very nice because your parents will actually want you and love you and they care for you. So it's very nice to be adopted. Having a lot of brothers and sisters kids we got uh, seven kids on the firstborn. It's sometimes nice and sometimes difficult. Because <laughs> sometimes there has to be a lot of attention on the others. Sometimes it's attention. But the best part is that you're not alone and you have lots of brothers and sisters to keep you coming. For me, adoption made my life way better because it's very nice and also Jesus had a plan for this life in this specific time as one suffers. Amen. How profound is that closing those closing remarks for me. Jesus has a plan for this life. And for this specific family. And well done to, to mom and dad for instilling that kind of identity in him. 
Just because you can't help everyone doesn't mean you can't help someone. And as Caleb alludes to here, that's because to God, everyone is a someone. Everyone matters to God. You matter to God. Your life matters to God. The person sitting next to you, their life matters to God. The person on the side of the street, their life matters to God. Every single life, every single one matters to God. And this is the the very heart of the gospel. A radically pursuing God who will go to great lengths to go after the one, to pursue the one. Scripture says that God is a God who will flip a house upside down to find one lost coin. He will leave the 99 to go after the one lost sheep. In a mob-like crowd, he will stop and speak life into one struggling woman. He will travel for days to heal one sick little girl. And he would throw a lavish party when one son who was lost is now found. This is the never-ending and always-pursuing love of God. It systematically has changed the landscape of humanity. And he did it one individual at a time. The creator God who has far more important things to do, like direct the winds and the waves, he pursued me. And he pursued you. He pursued each and every one of you. That's why you find yourself here this morning. God came after you. He loved us first. He comes after us as outcasts, as orphans, and he invites us and adopts us into his own family. And he asks us to do the same. He encourages us to do the same. And we're going to just look at one one scripture this morning. We're going to unpack it a bit. And I believe our answer to this is, is found in here. It's James 1 verse 27. And it reads like this. Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their trouble. And to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Now when it comes to the foster care and adoption space, this scripture is a favorite. If you uh, do any kind of scriptural Google search for uh, scriptures that encourage this or support this, you won't find a website that doesn't have James 1 verse 27 on it. But I believe it's so much more than that. There is so much more in the scripture than just a call to, to reach orphans and widows. So I'm going to go out on a limb and, and say that it's, it's probably not a verse that many of us have highlighted in our Bibles. Am I right? It's kind of like it's got a few things we don't like in it. It's got the word religion, for starters. Religion always brings up a whole bunch of confusion. What is, what is the definition of religion? Weren't, weren't the Pharisees religious? You know, is, is being religious really something that we should aspire to? And then, of course, it says that we need to visit orphans and widows. I mean, don't go there. That's going to cost me time and effort. And it's just uncomfortable. It's going to put me way outside of my comfort zone. This is a Rubik's Cube scripture. We just want to put that down and move on. Let's go to verse 28 rather. Let's keep reading. Let's put that one down. Let's put that one away. 
But I want to pause for a minute here, and I want us to take a look at the Scripture a little bit more in depth, and I'm going to focus on four parts specifically. We're going to look at pure and undefiled. We're going to look at religion, and we're going to go look at to visit, and finally, orphans and widows. So let's start there, pure and undefiled. What's interesting about this verse is that it's often used as a command verse. The Lord commands us to look after orphans and widows. That's not what this verse is actually saying. This is just a descriptive verse. James is using descriptive words here, not command words. So he starts there with the words pure and undefiled. Other translations might use the words like faultless, unblemished, or spotless. It doesn't matter what the words are in your translation. What James is doing is trying to paint a picture here. So interestingly, the, the Greek word for, um, for pure is actually translated to our English word catharsis, which means cleansing. So we also get our word cathartic from that. So when a, when a cathartic activity is something that psychologically or emotionally relieves us or cleanses us. It's also the root word for, the, for our word catheter. Okay? Many of you know when a catheter gets inserted into your body, it's for the purpose of draining toxic and dangerous fluids from our bodies. So there's something pure and cleansing about what James is describing here, not commanding. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to craft a statement. Uh, we're going to paraphrase this as we go along. Uh, we're going to mark this verse up. Um, so we're going to add our first thing there, our first note on pure and undefiled is one of the purest and most undefiled. Okay, we're going to carry on. We're going to move on to religion. As mentioned earlier, this word conjures up a whole bunch of things. Okay, we think, we think steeples, we think cathedrals, we think hard wooden pews, we think rituals and men dressed in robes. We think about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and we think about Jesus' disdain for their behavior. But this is not what this word is all about in this context. Religion in its most distilled down form refers to an outward display of something that is inwardly true. It is describing pure and undefiled, a pure and undefiled outward expression of a demonstration of something that's happened on the inside of us, namely who God is and what he does. Martin Luther once said, the world does not need a definition of religion as much as it needs a demonstration. The world does not need a definition of religion as much as it needs a demonstration. They want to see this. They want to see what this religion is all about. They want to see what this God is all about. And that's pretty much the idea here, for us to put our faith in the good news of, gospel, of the gospel into action, for it to move. And James's suggestion is that there is a particular outward demonstration that best shows and, more, and most clearly and most vividly shows our religion to the world. So again, this is, this is less of a, of, a, of a do something we need to do. This is not about doing something. This is about being something. Being a people who the gospel is so deeply affected that it comes out of us. It presents itself in such a way that people can see something is different inside of us. The love of Christ that we've received explodes and flows out of us. So we can add to our paraphrase here. We mark up the next part. We're going to say one of the purest and most undefiled demonstrations of the gospel. Okay, we've distilled religion to a demonstration 
of the gospel is what? To visit. Now, some translations use the word look after here. Any fathers in the house, you will know if you've been tasked with the job of looking after the kids for an afternoon, you will know that you don't even need to be in the same room as them. Okay, I've looked after my kids before from my office while they're watching TV or doing something at some, somewhere else in the house. Looking after doesn't mean necessarily being all that near or all that involved to them. We all know that father at the kids' party, and her mom goes inside and she says to the husband, I'm just going to have tea with the ladies. Just, just look after the kids. He gives a thumbs up from the bra. 20 minutes later, he comes out and little Timmy's doing double backflips on the roof into the pool. I thought you were supposed to look after him, she says. Well, you know, I knew his general vicinity. Look after doesn't have the best connotation here. But the word is a visit. And it's best translated as to give intense attention to and to draw near. And this is what Jesus did for us. He came down. He drew near to us. He got involved in our lives. He said, I see where you are. And I'm coming. I'm coming to meet you there. I'm coming after you. Jesus wrapped himself in our brokenness. He allowed our brokenness to break him so that we wouldn't have to be broken ever again. And the tense of this word is to visit. It's active. It's perpetual. It's ongoing. James is not speaking about a once-off random act of kindness. He's speaking about an active thing. This is not something that we, we do once-off. This is somebody who we are. It's not a periodic visit to an orphanage or or a visit to to a widow. It's an active, consistent thing that we do. So we're going to add again to our paraphrase there. One of the purest and most undefiled demonstrations of the gospel is to move towards. Last part, orphans and widows. So in James' time and culture, The orphans and the widows represented two of the most marginalized and pushed aside societies of the time. They carried no legacy and contributed nothing to society. So society pushed them away. And James, again, is, is using this. Remember, this is a descriptive verse. He's using orphans and widows as a representation of the most marginalized, the most vulnerable, the most hated and worthless groups of people that we come into contact with. So back in James's day, when he suggested that the purest and most undefiled form of demonstrating the gospel was to love these people, there would have been an audible gasp in the room. <gasps> what? Them? Yes. Them. And in our day, those are the poor. Those are the homeless. Those are the beggars. Those are the prostitutes, the prisoners, the foreigners, the addicts, the victims of human trafficking, the struggling neighbor, the mentally ill, the under-resourced, the disabled, the orphans, and the widows. Yes, them. Those are our people. When we get involved in their lives, that is the purest and most undefiled form of the gospel 
of demonstrating the gospel that people will ever see. So we can complete our paraphrase like this. One of the purest and most undefiled demonstrations of the gospel is to move towards hard places and broken people, not away from them. But this goes against the grain of of the world, doesn't it? Society tells us to isolate and insulate. Get yourself as far away from hard places and broken people as you can. When you drive up the road here, avoid, just avoid the informal settlement. Put your head down, take a left. If you're going right, avoid the pothole that's always there. Go home. When the beggar comes to your window, just, just act like he's not there. Turn the other way. Move overseas. Get away from this brokenness that surrounds us. Structure your life in some, such a way that you can pretend that hard places and broken people don't exist. Create for yourself a life that is easy, a life that is comfortable. But that's why this verse ends with the encouragement and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. The rest of the world will seek to keep those people at arm's length. But we're called to be different. We're called to be known for the way we love. The gospel within us needs to come out. It needs to be shown. Our series for this month is titled The Gospel Church. We are meant to, we, as a church, we are meant to swim upstream. The gospel demands it of us to move towards and not away from the outcasts of our society. If we truly are to be a gospel church, then I want us to take this paraphrase and use it as a manifesto. Let's go there to the, to the, to the next slide. The gospel church, one of the purest and most undefiled demonstrations of the gospel is to move towards hard places and broken people, not away from them. If you think I'm, I'm preaching to you this morning, I am, but I'm preaching to myself too. I grew up in the Quigney um, through the 80s, 90s, and 2000s. And while the rest of my, my friends were living out their teens in the cushy suburbs of Nahoon and Sterling and Beacon Bay, my neighborhood was rapidly changing around me from an easy place to a hard place. Poverty, brokenness, violence, abuse, alcoholism. These things surrounded me day to day. We were, the, we were, we were subject to theft, house breakings, car breakings, almost annually. I would live in fear. I would go to sleep at night just wondering, like, are we going to be broken into again tonight? How is this going to end? What, what, if, what if it gets violent? And thankfully, we never had any of those incidents. But I was surrounded by broken people. But, but more than that, more than seeing the brokenness, I was a victim of the brokenness. It bred racism and hatred in our household. And as a result, I grew up with a hardened heart towards the broken. I battled to to love because their lack cost me something. And it's something as an adult that I have had to grapple with. And I've had to seek victory in that area. To see people, no matter where they are, no matter who they are, no matter where they come from, 
I've had to see them the way that God sees them. And I grow in and I challenge, I'm challenged by it every day. I'm challenged by it every day to see the impoverished and not to make the link that. But, but crime is as a result, you know, and we've all been there. We've all experienced crime on some level or another. And it's easy for us to, to put the blame on others instead of loving them, instead of going to the hard places and loving those broken people. And remember that, that word in the beginning, pure. It meant cleansed. And this is what I believe James suggests in this verse. When we take up that challenge, when we go to hard places, when we engage with broken people, it's not just for them, it's for us. We're cleansed. That's how we remain unspotted by the world. Because we're so fixated on helping, on loving, that we have no time to be stained and blemished by the world. So I hope we can look at this, this verse this morning with fresh eyes and not be condemned and, and, and paralyzed into inaction, but instead that we will, we will be filled with hope and realize that we can do something. Just because we can't help everyone doesn't mean we can't help someone. You know, our vision as a church is revival to hearts, homes, and cities. And I can tell you with certainty this morning that revival has not come to your heart if the city doesn't know it. Revival has not come to our hearts. We cannot stand in here and say, revival, Lord, I'm feeling so revived. This is amazing. I love your presence. But the city doesn't feel it. There's no outflow. If we close these doors after all of you have left and we never open them again, will the city know that we're gone? Will the city know that we were ever here? What impact are we making? If we want to see revival in the city, it needs to start with our hearts. We need to be changed. We need to move into hard places. We need to swim upstream from what the world says. Don't insulate. Don't isolate. Don't make things easy and comfortable for yourself. Stop. Stop when you see someone in trouble, not just your brother. Stop. Get involved. Go help. Yes, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost you effort. But this is what the gospel demands of us. A pure and undefiled demonstration of the love of Jesus. That's up to us as individuals. It's up to us. We are the, we are the church. This is, not, this is not the church's problem. This is not someone else's problem. It's our problem. We need to sit down. We need to do something. We need to make it work. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So the question this morning is, will you go? Will you go? Will you help? Will you make a difference? I'm going to invite Cindy, um, Cindy Mauer up. She is, uh, she is, is breathing new life into our, our body serve ministry. Um, so she's going to share with us a little bit about, about what's going on and also very practically how we can get involved, um, in, in the orphans and uh, adoption and foster care ministry. Thanks, Cindy. Hello.
Okay, so I have the privilege of sharing with all of us today what Shofar can look like with everybody doing something. Okay, so the key to happiness... Next. Okay, so the key to happiness is not being loved, it's having someone to love. That's what makes life fulfilling, and there are people who need your love not far from you. We love because Jesus first loved us. And just like our physical bodies... Um, There are many parts, but one body, and so is the body of Christ. There's one body, but there are many parts, okay? So in the body of Christ, no one is, not one person is called to do everything, but everyone is called to do something. That's how our physical bodies work, and that's how our church communities work as well. Unique gifts and talents are given to individuals, not for our own use, but for the use of the whole body, Next. At Shofar, we want caring for the orphans and the widows and the poor to be a normal part of our lives. Not a special part that only a certain people get involved, but something that everyone gets involved. Everyone in our church can do something small on a consistent basis. At Shofar, some of us are going to adopt, foster, bring children into our homes And some of us are going to be physically on the ground, working with the orphans, working with the poor, and the rest of us are going to find ways to serve and support them. So today I want to challenge everyone to break the mindset, the old mindsets regarding caring for those in need. Let's do something daring. We don't need to be physically rich in order to do something. We've all been given gifts and talents, and we all have something to give. So let's break loose the old mindsets and let's put into practice what the Lord has commanded us to do. Okay. At Shofar, everybody matters. No one is more important than the next and everyone in our church that is, that is in need in any way matters. Okay. So on the next slide, it's going to show us where we can all get involved. So there's prayer, recreation and birthdays, finances, groceries and supplies, educations, meals and blessings, other, if there's anything we haven't mentioned, car and home repairs, hairdresser and beauty therapist, babysitting and medical. And if we can go to the next slide. So it's just broken down. So for families that have adopted and fostering, the social workers, place of safety organizations, the people on the ground doing the ministry with the vulnerable and oppressed, to pray for our single parents and our widows. The medical, it's for um, adults and children, and there's a list of them, and I know we've got quite a few of these in our church. We can go to the next one. Okay, groceries and supplies, nappies, wet wipes, baby products, toiletries, clothing and shoes for all sizes, baby, toddlers, young children, teens and adults. Um, Our big vision and goal is to have a resource bank somewhere in the near future where we can have all this stuff in there. And as the needs arise, we'll be able to bless people straight away. Education, pay towards school fees or sports lessons, teachers to help with remedial and extra assistance, Meals and blessings, when a family receives another child or baby into their care, organize a welcoming party, or if they're going through a tough time, um, provide meals for them and assist them. Car maintenance, um, offer to service a bus or a car, buy new tires. Next one, 
Okay, hairdresser and beauty therapist, offer a mom or a young girl that um, might not be able to afford any of that type of thing, and then we'll be able to bless them with that. Babysitting and adult one-on-one time. Offer to babysit for a couple um, in our church that is fostering and adopting, and then give them a voucher and let them go out and enjoy one another, as well as this is quite a... um, one that we are needing quite a bit of, and that is adopt a grandchild. So to have that one-on-one time, you don't have to be a granny, but if you've got spare time and you would like to, then we will connect you with a family and you just pray with them or just be a granny or a grandpa, you know, teach them to do certain things. And then money, you can decide to give a monthly amount into the church's account for BodyServe specifically, and it will be allocated accordingly. Recreation and birthday parties, invite a family and the children for a meal at your home, farm or beach house, offer to organize a birthday party for a child or to bake a cake and provide the treats. Okay. This is how it works, will work. Um, you decide how you can help and in what area. You stipulate how long and how often and to the value thereof. Procedures have been put in place, and all needs will go through the body serve team. So, uh, selection criteria will be applied. Body serve committee will make contact with the service providers, and no service provider will be misused. Strict and professional measures have been put in place, and all finances and money needs to go through the church. Database will be kept updated of all service providers and what has been provided. Can I ask the um, BodyServe team members that are here, if you can just stand where you are, is over there. If you've got any questions after the service um, and you want to, or you would like to join the committee, then please speak to one of these beautiful ladies or myself and Quirba. We would love to have you on board. And also the men are very, very welcome too. We also need men on board. Okay. All right. So with anything that I have mentioned, is there anything there that you think you could assist with? Can I see your hands? Okay. Okay. So can I ask you to take your cell phones out, please? And there's the, there we go. Or if it's quicker to go onto the website, there's a code. And right at the top, it says, you can do something. You go in there and you say, start now. And it's got all the details. Then everything that I've mentioned today is on there. And you can go and select which one you would like to do. And in closing, I just want to share what we've done so far as the body serve. We have started a foster and adoption um, support group. We've had two meetings, and this has opened up to the whole of East London, so it's not just for the church. And it's been um, very, it's been amazing. We've had a lot of people come. A lot of people have been encouraged. We've even had families that were interested in adopting fostering, and this week one of those families received a beautiful little girl, and so she's also received her forever family, and that is from the foster and adoption support group that Shofar, that we have started at Shofar.
Okay, we have also been part of, so through the uh, medical in our church, um, there was a connection, and we were able to help a beautiful two-year-old special needs girl at Guardians of Hope. Her file needed to um, be uploaded on the um, overseas website for adoption, um, but there were some things that needed to be done, like an OT assessment and a physio assessment, and through Shofar, through the connections in the medical field, we were able to do that. So when she, and we're believing it will be soon, finds her forever family, Shofar will have been part of that as well. Okay. Um, we have also been very privileged to going um, Hanali's Ladies Soul Group under uh, Hanali. On a Friday we meet, and we were very blessed and honored to go to King's Children's Home and to pray with the staff there and just honor them, and we were washing their feet, and the children got involved, and there was just soap everywhere and cream everywhere, but it was so encouraging just for us, and just to see how the the moms that look after the, the, the children in the safe houses, how they were so touched, um, because often they, you know, everyone's concentrating on the kids, which is a good thing, but they are the ones that are on the ground physically working with these kids every day, seeing the trauma that these kids go through. And so they really felt that they were worthy and they were very privileged and very happy that we came. We also had the honor on Wednesday of going to CMR, social workers, and we blessed them with lunch. We also prayed for them and some of the social workers received a word and they were also very encouraged. They are on the ground every day dealing with terrible trauma and they go through a very hard time as well and they just felt um, so encouraged that we were there and we said we've got them, we're there for them and we're holding them up in prayer. So they were very blessed with that. Okay, um, so Guardians of Hope, they don't just fundraise for themselves but they fundraise for the larger community and they blessed um, Chris Shofar Body Serve with quite a few baby items, which we were then able to bless Connie, who is involved in the prison ministry. They work with the moms in the prisons, um, their babies, so an offender is allowed to keep her, their babies in prison for two years. And so there's always a great need there. People have the mindset that they get given everything. They don't. So if you have a baby in prison, you don't even get supplied with a nappy. You've got to somehow get family members to bring the stuff. So a lot of those um, moms don't have that support. So it's been great that we've been able to um, draw alongside Connie and try and help them in that area. And also through the stuff that we receive from Guardians, we will be putting th- uh, together packs when we go as a church on a Thursday to minister at the hospital, the Freer Hospital, we'll be able to give um, blessed children in the pediatric wards and as well in the maternity with stuff. So, yeah, so we've been quite busy, I think. And um, today we've also invited King's uh, children from the Glen Stella Children's Home, which is up the road from us. And so they are at Sunday school. There was 40 kids here today. 20 at the first service, 20 at the second, and we're just trusting that they have received love and that as they entered these buildings that they just knew, know that they are wanted, loved, and that, um, that they matter. So in closing, I just want to encourage everyone that together we can accomplish much and um, we can all do something. Um, so I hope we have all found our something today. 
And the last thing I just want to share with us is the scripture. Thank you. In everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And the moment we start seeing ourselves as part of God's solution is the moment that we're going to walk into a powerful reality with him. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. So let us get moving together because together we can. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.